welcome to Spanning the Spurs, a San Antonio Spurs podcast and a member of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. And on Spanning the Spurs, we talk about the players, the coach, and the opposition of the best NBA team in Texas. I thank y'all for joining me, and let's get started. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Spanning the Spurs. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Knuck If You Buck, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst, plus our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Welcome to episode three of Spanning the Spurs, a San Antonio Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out Spanning the Spurs on Twitter at Span the Spurs, on Facebook and Instagram as well at Spanning the Spurs. Uh, we are part of the Hoopheads podcast network, so definitely make sure to check that out both on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. A great group of podcasts all putting out amazing NBA and general basketball content. All right, so we have a lot to get into. I have to apologize off the bat. Uh, This won't happen again, but between computer issues and then I wanted to record a couple days ago and just the craziness out there really made me kind of want to take a step back and and not talk about hoops for a minute. But I'm back, and here we are. So we have a lot to break down. Uh, We have news on Derek White. We've had a stretch of games uh, with a rough slump a rough losing streak and then followed by a really encouraging win over the Lakers uh, just last night. So we're going to get into it. Let's get started right now. So we have to start the news of Derek White. Uh, Three nights ago, it was announced that Derek White will miss a significant amount of time with a broken toe. And this is unfortunate. He's out indefinitely. The Spurs have been competitive. We're going to talk about them a little bit more through this early part of the season. But not having a guy like... Derek White, who is one of their best defenders, particularly from the perimeter, and also one of their better perimeter creators, one of their more reliable ones, aside from DeMar DeRozan, that really, really sucks. We have talked about this a little bit before in terms of how excited we were about Derek White returning and what he would bring to the table for the Spurs, especially coming off of that strong bubble run he had and previous strong performances up to this point. So this was already imagined um, as far as what he would immediately contribute to this team, and now that we're not having that, that absence is going to be immediately felt. Um, one of the big reasons is through how the Spurs have played most recently, which has been paced. They have been very fast in terms of getting up and down the floor, spreading the floor, um, attacking the basket, creating shots, hitting threes, that sort of game. Uh, the unfortunate problem is that outside of DeMar DeRozan, to a much lesser extent, DeJounte Murray, the Spurs don't have that many reliable playmakers, uh, not only in the starting five, if you want to bring off the bench, Patty Mills, you can take him into account as well, but players who can handle the ball, initiate offense, and not have a plethora of turnovers with that. And 
that's an issue that they have. They, there's several live ball turnovers. Uh, the floor bounce has been weird in terms of even making baskets and getting back on defense. And White, that was a big boon of, of his skill set is being able to be a more reliable creator both on the break and also in the half court, which kind of gives the Spurs a, a proper type of, for lack of a better word, or order when it comes to, okay, you know, we're playing through DeMar DeRozan initiating. We can swing it. We can have... Uh, Derek White be that secondary guy, and then we go down to Lonnie Walker, and then we go down the line. And now, not having him, you're putting a lot more offensive pressure, obviously on DeRozan and Murray, but also to a lesser extent, Walker and Patty Mills as well. Now, one positive sign for the Spurs is that they currently rank 8th in assists per game at 26 per, and over the last three have averaged 24.3, so they are moving the ball around, though this is not the only barometer of team success when it comes to moving the basketball and getting others involved. Uh, That being said, DeMar DeRozan has assumed a, a just as good of a playmaking responsibility as he's had since he's been in San Antonio. He's doing a very good job there. Already mentioned strides with DeJounte Murray. Uh, Patty Mills, not his main role, but he does a decent job as well. And ultimately, there's been some collective ball movement from other guys up and down the line for the Spurs that have more or less patched over the absence of White in that area. Still, I think the lack of adequate ball handlers is something that definitely is a concern moving forward with White being gone in terms of someone that really fits that role as a great connector, you know? And it's going to be a little rough. It's, it's unfortunate, but if we're going to take one shining point from this or one shining light, it's the fact the Spurs have had now White's, have not had White so far, and they have done a pretty decent job in his absence. And we're about to get into that right now. So maybe it's the truncated season. Maybe this week and a half has been so much longer well, it's been 10 days, so much longer than I even wanted it to be. But there have been a plethora of games since we came on here. The Spurs are right now sitting 5-4 and four in the Western Conference. They had a four-game, um, three-game slump. They, they bounced back in a major way. Uh, they are 7th. It is super, super mad early in Western Conference, so I'm not talking playoff pictures or anything like that because, I mean, this league has been so insane in terms of where people sit on, uh, where teams sit on the roster, uh, where teams sit in the standings. It's kind of funky. But the Spurs right now are 14th in offensive rating at 110.8. They're 23rd in defensive rating at 112.1. We kind of expected this in terms of defensively being more toward the back half of the league. Uh, In pace, they rank 11th. Uh, They're 18th out of 30th in net rating. So right now, expected win-loss was 4-5. and So they're kind of right where they were expected to be. Now, in this time, and let's take a deep breath here. They've had games over the Grizzlies, the Raptors, Pelicans, uh, or the Grizzlies. We already talked about the Raptors. That happened. Uh, Pelicans, Lakers in a two-game set. Jazz, Clippers, and then um, Lakers again. <laughs> and then they finally close it out with the Timberwolves up to now. And it has been a, a whirlwind of everything. Obviously, we got. Um, the, the Spurs in their first start, but I think I made a massive amount of notes over each of the games on thoughts that, you know, I had for each one. And I think what I've tried to do is as I've watched more of them, try to layer up um, some of these overlapping thoughts, you know. So if Lamar Aldridge had a bad game in one game, okay, that's something to make note of. Let's see if he bounces back with another. If he has another, okay, now we're kind of worried. A third's a slump, and then we kind of go that way. So one thing I took, and, and this is, really from the Raptors game, is that DeMar DeRozan, not only has he been just electric over the last uh, few games here for the Spurs, but he's also 
been doing something that I definitely didn't see happening. I think we talked about it a little bit, but that's shooting the three ball. He's shooting 39% right now from three on 2.6 attempts per game, which would be the most he's even shot since the 2017-2018 season with Toronto. So three, uh, three full years ago in, her, in terms of getting up the amount of shots that he has from distance. Right now, he's 9 of 23, but just compare that to what he was last year for San Antonio, where he was 9 of 35. He's already equaled his last season's total of three-pointers made. And just 12 short of those attempted. He hasn't attempted as many threes up to this point, you could say, as he has over the last two years. And he dipped major. In that 2017-2018 season, DeRozan took up two, took 287 three-pointers. That dropped swiftly to 45 in 2018-2019 in San Antonio. Then 35 last season. And now it's a little bounce back resurgence. But what I like about these three-pointers that DeMar DeRozan has been taking is that they're not coming at the end of the shot clock. They're not coming out of desperation. They're in the rhythm of the offense. He's just stretched out, almost like LaMarcus Aldridge did last year, and made some of those deep 20-footers a three-pointer. And it's really cool to see him take those space out the floor, connect on them, because he's a good shooter. Um, from distance, I, I mean, he's not, it's not a shot he wants to take. He's a lot more comfortable within a certain... Um, in, within a certain range, but he is, he's really solid from out there, and it is something that's been bomb to watch, so uh, over the last stretch, DeRozan has really unleashed it, uh, it, again, it started with the Raptors, where he knocked down some big ones against them, uh, he was three or four from distance on that, but since then, he's had a couple games with a, a couple threes knocked in, so ever since he went three or four, or not, three, yeah, three or four against the Raptors. He went knocked one. He had four of five against the Lakers in their two-game set. And then he went two of six against the Lakers, again, in, all in one game. Uh, and then he went 0-2 just most recently in Minnesota. But the fact that he's taking them is what makes it impactful. I mean, if you look at it, three of four, 0 of four against New Orleans, okay. Uh, he knocked down only when he took against the Lakers in the first game, three out of four in the second game, 0 of two against Utah, two of six against the Lakers in that fourth set out of, what, five total shots he uh, converted, and then those two. He's making it a little bit of the diet of his offense, and that is encouraging. All right, other good things I've seen so far. Now, this is largely on Patty Mills over the last couple of games, uh, most notably against the Raptors, against the Pelicans, and in one of the games against the Lakers in their most recent one, Patty Mills has really been the barometer uh, for the Spurs' success, the key to how they play off the bench. That bench support, but really being that consistent third guy that can swing up to number one in terms of shooting has been so, so good for the Spurs. And if you look at Patty Mills so far uh, on the season, He's averaging 14 points and three assists, but he's had several games now. Every game this season but one, he's been in double digits. The one game he wasn't in double digits was against uh, Utah, where he had eight points on a pretty poor night from the field, three and nine. Other than that, he's had three games where he had 20 or more points. The other eight games have all been in double digits, and he led the Spurs against the Clippers in scoring with 27 points on eight of 12 from three, eight of 16 overall. In 28 big minutes. Like, FIBA Patty is in full effect, y'all. He's coming out strong. He's coming off the screens. He's shooting the ball. Um, he's already been a confident shooter, but now he's more of an assertive one. And I think that stretches the floor. Having some guy who, you know, the Spurs are, as a general rule, taking a, a bunch of three-pointers. This is kind of their new evolution in terms of having this more modern lineup out there. You know, with the exception of Jakob Hurdle, most of these guys on this team will take three-pointers. 
Well, Jakob Hurdle and Drew Eubanks. But aside from that, Patty Mills is still your most capable three-point shooter on this team, your most consistently capable one, and the one who has no problem putting up seven, eight three-point attempts a night. And that is a difference on defense when you know that, yes, he will make the smart read and the nice play, but at the same time, this guy is getting up there and he is going to come up firing. As soon as he gets a slither space, right now, he's averaging 5.7 uh, three-pointers attempted a game, which actually he averaged more last year. But in terms of the, the, the raw scoring volume, he has more this year than at this point he'd have at any point in his career. If he were to continue at this toward pace for him and yes it's through nine games so take it with a grain of salt but the closest he's gotten in terms of high scoring for a season was last season we averaged 11 points a game patty mills is a career eight uh, points per game score he shoots around 39 percent from three this year 56 percent from three on that which i mean of course is going to slip but it falls right in line with his other high 30 marks from three and he's had a couple of years sprinkled in there where he's been in the 40s most recently uh in 2016 2017 but he also had one um even further back back to back to back um being back from 2012 to 2014 with san antonio so that's been another positive bright spot the fact that Mills is consistently a guy, along with Rudy Gay to a lesser extent, that can really take the offense by storm um, in stretches off the game, provide that needed floor spacing, and keep them in as far as firepower off the bench. Really love the Patty Mills' tenacity, especially on the offensive end. Another thing I've watched, and I, I guess we're going to look a little more closely to um, their more re- most recent game against the Clippers, the Spurs, when they've been knocking down threes, they've been almost unguardable. Uh, just in that most recent game against the Spurs was the 5th of January. The Spurs knocked down 20 of 43s. They tied their single-game franchise record in the process. Everyone who played for San Antonio, um, with the exception of DeRozan, who didn't make his threes that night, and Jakob Pertl, got in the act from three-point land. The Spurs had built a lead as high as 24, and they had 11 threes knocked down by halftime. And, and this has been something the Spurs have been kind of up and down on, but against the Clippers that game, the Spurs had more steals, more fast-break points, and less turnovers than the Clippers did. So that was solid, kind of seeing them with their full offensive firepower at full strength and getting up and down the floor and running and putting pressure on the Clippers' defense and making them pay from outside when it came to adjusting to them. San Antonio's been so good when they can get their offense moving in the right direction, uh, when they're not bogged down in a half-court game, when they are able to take advantage of their speed and athleticism uh, across their team. Even LaMarcus at 35 can still get up and down the floor. Um, Jakob Hurdle, when he was in during LaMarcus's uh, three-game absence, was also able to do that as well. So you had that speed that was able to go up there and t- put pressure on the rim and take advantage of turnovers and, you know, even um, off of makes, but mostly off of live ball turnovers and really go up there and, and finish the rim. DeMar DeRozan has been so, so good for them in that. But we all know DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker can fly. Keldon Johnson has had some electrifying plays in transition. So we've had good things to talk about when it comes to that. Defensively, I guess this is one of the knocks from their last couple of games. And this would even include their most recent game last night uh, in a 125-122 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've just been rough on the defensive end. We already mentioned that they're 23rd there, but constantly they're getting out-rebounded. And that's one thing. You have a smaller lineup. That's to be expected, you know, in terms of having that. But look at just last game. Carl Anthony Towns returned, right? It was his first game back. He had 25 points, 13 rebounds. Malik Beasley had 29 points and 4 rebounds. And the Spurs right now at this point 
are giving up just as much as they're going in, you know? And it, it, it's it's a little different in terms of their defensive, they're not exactly a turnstile on that end, but um, I would not call them at all competent on that end either. You have guys who, with the exception of Jonte Murray, um, DeMar DeRozan has moments. Lonnie Walker, I mean, not expecting a whole lot there. Kelton Johnson can definitely get into a defender at times, but these guys are just getting cooked, plain and simple. And yes, you have a team that goes almost against Greg Popovich Spurs teams of the past, where they are so focused on offense that defense is more of a secondary option, if you will. But even now, you've had some games, uh, most notably against the Lakers the last couple of games, where if you play an iota more defense, you know, a little more resistance, you are in a lot more of these games and you win them. And we saw that in the in the Spurs' latest win over the Lakers, where they were able to more or less keep the Lakers in check and still have their offense going. And that actually came up to a little bit of a tight game. I mean, they made enough shots to keep the Lakers at bay, and then they went and played some defense to make them comfortable down the stretch, and that was a key to their pulling it out. But in general, in the games that they've lost, you can clearly see where the issues have been. I mean, every team, with the exception of the Pelicans, the Pelicans-Spurs game was a tight um, back-and-forth battle, but every other game is well into the 100s, and you've had the Jazz go 130, uh, the Timberwolves with 122, the Lakers with 121, just higher scores over the last couple of games. So, yes, the Spurs are within the picture of them, you know, with the exception of uh, that the game on the 30th against the Spurs where they lost by 14, uh, and the game against the Jazz on the 3rd where they lost by 21. They've been within striking distance of each of those teams. So their offense is definitely still going as well. But that defense is a, is a weak point for them. And so that's something that just most assuredly needs to be improved on that area. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. LaMarcus Aldridge was a, uh, a point of contention for me, someone I was going to bring up as someone who needed to step up in a major way if they were going to um, continue winning. But then I looked at the numbers, and when LaMarcus Aldridge, he was in a little bit of a scoring slump. For the season, he's improved a little bit. He's 14 points and four rebounds, four and a half rebounds, 44% from the field, still just 29% from three, um, which would be his worst mark since the 2018-2019 season, and is on four attempts a game. He barely took an attempt a game uh, that last season I'm referencing. But when I watched and kind of dug deeper, the Spurs were 0-3 in the games that he missed. They were out-rebounded by a ton more in games that LaMarcus Aldridge didn't put foot on the floor. And yes, 4.5 rebounds for a big isn't great. But you have to understand that LaMarcus is playing more and more of his minutes outside of the paint. You know, he's stretching the floor from 20 feet. He's stretching it out further from three. And when you're taking shots that way and you're not able to crash all the way from, you know, the three-point line up to under the rim where Aldridge would usually reside... I mean, for his career, he's a eight eight rebounds a game type of player. You got to cut those totals in half. 
but still having someone who can get down there and actually bang, um, that isn't Jakob Hurdle and DeMar DeRozan who swoops in and grabs a ton of rebounds, that is something that is important for the Spurs. And they also get some more offensive continuity. That pick and pop with LaMarcus is still as good as it gets, particularly from 20 to 25 feet. From three-point range, it's a little wonky this year, but there's still some necessary floor balance that keeps the floor spread, that makes openings that are needed for Walker and, and DeJounte Murray to work with um, in ways that DeMar DeRozan can already carve out for himself, but these other guys need a little more space to kind of manufacture those openings. So LaMarcus' gravity on that really adds in a major way to that. And he set some big scoring games. He was a big, big reason. With 28 big points over the Lakers in their most recent victory for the Spurs, um, aside from this game against the Timberwolves, that showed that, okay, when you have LaMarcus Aldridge on the floor, in that way, he gives that necessary balance to the Spurs offense. It's big. It's big. That continuity. Uh, having someone who is one of the premier mid-range jump shooters in the league, it works so well for the Spurs offense that they have right now, because when in doubt, you know, simple screen and roll action, all you need is a slither space for Aldridge, and you know he's going to pick and pop and knock that thing down. It's gold. And, I mean, that's almost as good as Lamar, as the DeMar DeRozan mid-ranger. <laughs> so, you have that necessary balance. And so far, I like the way he's been more assertive. Um, he actually had a couple more um, uh, minutes to take over uh, down the stretch against Minnesota. That was nice. Um, but, let's be real. He is currently 65, 65, 65th, excuse me, overall in post-up touches. So, he's taking more time away from the paint than he ever has in his career. And I, I think that is a big reason why we see some of the rebounding numbers and everything drop. But it's proving, at least this most recent stretch of games that he missed and then the resurgence that the Spurs have had since he came back, that that impact that he provides is necessary no matter what his rebounding numbers or play close to the paint look like. Uh, last but not least, if we're talking about a positive um, or negative over the last six games, we have to talk about Keldon Johnson. Johnson has been one of the bright spots for the Spurs as far as a young player second year stepping up in a major way, uh, but also showing signs of that development that you want to see as the Spurs kind of ascertain who their next uh, piece in their young core is. For the season over nine games, Johnson's averaging 19.7 rebounds, uh, two and just over two and a half assists per game, shooting 45%, 46% from two, 41% from three, on three attempts a night from there. He's getting to the free throw line at a decent rate. I'm considering he's shooting 69% out there, but when he goes to the basket, he's going there with the throw. He's going there strong. He is not afraid of letting it fly from deep. He has the athleticism that is needed in this new NBA, at least from the power forward position, but he knows how to bang around. He's led the Spurs a couple times in rebounding so far this year. Uh, if there's one thing you can improve upon, this is a great piece uh, that I'd read on Pounding the Rock. Um, SB Nation Spurs affiliate Pounding the Rock, they have a, a piece that came out a couple days ago on improvements for two of the Spurs' young players, Alani Walker and Keldon Johnson. And for Alani Walker, if I remember correctly, was him um, making any plays with his left hand. Uh, but that's, that's in a separate point. He's good at going to his right, and on his left, he kind of contorts his body for needless adjustments when he can just, you know, finish with the left hand. But what I've seen and what I was happy to see in the piece brought out is that for Keldon Johnson, the problem is making passes out of drives. He gets that tunnel vision, and that works relatively okay because he goes with a full head of steam he's going to the basket with authority he's either getting fouled or converting at the basket but there's a third option that isn't really being utilized and that's making a pass out of the drive going hard to the basket seeing LaMarcus Aldridge in the dunker spot maybe seeing a shooter on the weak side and making the play it seems like Kellen Johnson is incapable of that partly the vision's not there and then when the vision is there the opening's already been lost because the defense has recovered and so that's been something that has been 
uh, uh, weakness of his. Again, it's his second year. The dude's 21 and playing so, so well. He's had a couple of games where he's really come through for the Spurs in a major way. Um, against the Jazz, I mean, they lost by a lot, but he led them in scoring and um, was alongside in rebounding. He's led them rebounding against the Clippers with 11 uh, in terms of, of getting to the boards. He's done the same against the Pelicans, and he led them with against the Lakers in, in, in a couple of their games as far as getting to the boards and making it happen. Yes, it's 10 rebounds, 11 rebounds. That's still very solid, especially when we talk about LaMarcus Aldridge either not playing uh, he was out for three games through that knee soreness, or he brought that up, or just being ineffective from the boards because he's not playing underneath the basket as much. So to have someone like Johnson who can play away from the basket but can also get up there, muck it up, and grab some rebounds, that is so, so key for San Antonio, and that's been a positive for them. All right, so we got to look ahead to uh, the game that was last night and the game that will be tonight in terms of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves had the return of Carl Anthony Towns. He had missed six games of dislocated wrist. Uh, if I remember correctly, the Wolves lost everyone. Um, but with him being back here, the Timberwolves were galvanized, uh, by his return. <clears throat> Excuse me. He almost had, uh, and this is for, I guess, the Spurs fans who really know, uh, Tim Duncan-like presence in terms of making plays out of the post for them. Uh, and this was him kind of feeling his way back out with that sore wrist and seeing how he responds. Uh, he did a lot for them. He opened up a lot for a Timberwolves team that had been slumping, um, especially from pieces that, for them, are pretty competent in the offensive end. Uh, he also piled up 25 points and 13 rebounds. We talked about that. Malik Beasley, we talked about his impact and how he basically had one of his best quarters that he's had uh, in the Timberwolves jersey and, and and led them that way. But it wasn't just those guys. Uh, D'Angelo Russell had a horrible shooting from the field efficiency rate. I mean, sufficiency, 7 of 22, 1 of 6 from 3, uh, 16 points. Nas Reed, y'all. Nas Reed came out. 16 points on 6 of 8 shooting, uh, 3 of 4 from 3, uh, 7 rebounds in 16 minutes. He was a problem down there. He was a problem. But those were your guys who really made things tough. Anthony Edwards came up with 13, and that was what you had to contend with. Now, offensively, that's an issue. But if we're looking at what the Spurs brought, first, let's talk about DeMar, one DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan led 38 points. He had 16 in the second quarter alone. Five rebounds, four assists, led the Spurs in that category. I mean, f- five rebounds, five assists, led the Spurs in that category, five assists. He shot 56% from the field. Yes, he didn't make a three. He shot two. But he got to the line, and he's been getting to the line a lot for the Spurs, 12 of 13 from there. Kelton Johnson was 17 points. On 50% shooting, two of five from three, two of those threes under relative duress toward the end of the shot clock, threw together nine rebounds for good measure. Uh, DeJounte Murray, 7-18 from the field, 38% not super great, but he made three threes, 22 points, 14 rebounds to lead San Antonio and four assists for him. He's been someone who over the last couple of games will sneak in and give a really strong performance in terms of rebounding off the glass for the Spurs. Uh, in his triple-double, he did a good job with that. He had another game where his assists weren't there, but his rebounding was. And then this game, 14 big ones. Uh, off the bench, we talk about Patty Mills. He continues to be strong. 21 points on 8 of 14, 5 of 8 from 3. Opens up so much for them. And then the the two lesser bright spots for me. Uh, one last average guy, Rudy Gay. 9 points on 9 shots, 1 of 3 from 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Got to talk about a little bit of uh, the knocks, the bright spots that one is bright. LaMarcus Aldridge and Lonnie Walker, uh, those guys combined for 6-for-20 shooting or 6-for-19 shooting. So that's not super great. 2-of-6 uh, from 3. 3-of-4 uh, from the line, but they're not really making an impact there. And then they combined for 5 rebounds and an assist. So not super great between the two of them. Uh, 
Aldridge for his part was 4 of 11. Uh, and again, he's taking most of his shots out there, outside. So when they're going down, it's looking good. When they're not, he's not. And then Lonnie Walker, who just kind of seemed all over the place. And he's had some good games and some bad ones in terms of being uh, active and using that energy and that frenetic um, pressure in, in good ways and in ways that can be improved on. But if I'm looking at this next game for San Antonio, which is tonight against Minnesota, what needs to be done is focusing on doing your best to limit, as best as you can, Carl Anthony Towns. So, you know, we didn't expect to be in. He might not be play as much as the second half of the back-to-back. He played 37 minutes. He said in his postgame, they kind of did it on a whim. Hey, you know, why not? I can do this. Let's go. That's great. That's, that's empowering for a team to have their cornerstone back in action. But that's a lot of minutes for a guy who's still recovering from an injury that's pretty rough in terms of soreness. And then expecting to play heavy minutes tonight, while very much possible, um, isn't very likely to me. Just don't know. Um, aside from that, though, the Spurs, what they need to do for sure is to make sure that they close down the three-point line. Perimeter defense has been an issue all year for them. Um, they allowed the Timberwolves to knock down 15 threes at 50%. That's crazy. It's 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 not... It's, it's not it's not a good look. Some of these shots that the Timberwolves hit were under duress. Uh, shot clock going down, um, you know, prayers at the buzzer, that sort of thing. But still, you do have to wonder about that. So, who will be available? We already know that Derek White's out. We talked about that. Quindari Witherspoon's out. Andrew Eubanks is out as well. Uh, for the Timberwolves is Josh Okoji, who will be missing in action. Uh, I say focus on defense. Focus on defense. Make sure... That you are make that you are closing out, especially from the three point line, on a Minnesota team that's knocked down a league worst thirty one percent of their looks from out there. That's rough. They don't have those consistent guys, and the guys that are normally consistent, and the league Beasley or D'Angelo Russell, have not been hitting very well. The lack of Carl Anthony Towns has forced others to take more shots, uh, maybe under duress than they would like, and that extra uh, few feet of pressure might be throwing them off. But it's not like the Timberwolves have a stable of excellent three point shooters. So I would knock that down as my first point. The second thing, play through DeMar DeRozan continually. Do it and do it and do it again. Uh, they don't have anyone on Minnesota who can stop him. He is getting to the line. He is outsmarting his man in terms of using his savviness, using the way he can manufacture um, points and openings out of the pick and roll, straight down to the basket, openings, pump fakes, all of that. Uh, letting plays kind of develop and work themselves out. Hopefully seeing uh, DeJounte Murray and Keldon Johnson get back in the action will be bomb. Uh, they had 39 points, 23 rebounds, and 8 assists between the two of them. Uh, and those 23 rebounds, we already talked, 14 of them came from Murray. Um, that length and athleticism that the Spurs can provide, that can be a lot, especially when you have guys with the wingspan and skill sets that Murray and Johnson do. So I'm looking at that as well. Uh, aside from that, just really focusing on Timberwolves shooters, yes, putting some pressure on Carl Anthony Towns, but also D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards. I'm really just worried about them. I don't honestly think that this will be a major issue for San Antonio. The Timberwolves have had moments and sparks a fight for sure, but it's not something that is a hallmark of their team right now. And I think that this game, they put a lot of effort into. In a game that went down to the wire, a relatively high score in game 60-58 at halftime, uh, Conley Town scoring 12 points in the third quarter. Uh, the back and forth way that this game evolved into, uh, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. So I'm not sure if we can expect some of that tonight. But if so, the Spurs just need to be ready, have the necessary energy, 
Both nights of back-to-back, this could be a letdown game for San Antonio if they come lacking that juice and they let Minnesota, with some younger players, get more of an edge. You really want to see how LaMarcus Aldridge looks again. Um, he didn't have a great night on the opening part of it. Maybe he'll be a little better on the back half. Expect a few more minutes uh, for Yaka Pertl. I just think that Pop's going to kind of, sub- I don't want to say subconsciously, but subconsciously, but limit some of Aldridge's minutes moving forward in that area. My guy to really watch is Lonnie Walker. Did not have a great game. Some of his skill set is very, very complimentary for the Spurs, especially against a team like the Timberwolves, with athleticism and finding gaps and, and, and forcing openings in those gaps and making the most of them can prove advantageous for San Antonio. Knocking down threes like he can, that sort of play. So I am focused on him to see him bounce back in a major way. I expect DeMar DeRozan to have something in the ballpark of what he had, uh, 34-4, and 35-6, something of that range. The Timberwolves just don't have anyone that has that speed, that that size advantage to really hold him in check. And we're talking about the Timberwolves not being a very good defensive team to begin with. So uh, this isn't something I am super worried about. I think the Spurs will win this game a little more comfortably than they won their most previous one. And I look at us talking at the conclusion of this game because I'm going back after every game now. I look at the Spurs sitting 6-4 and four and climbing up another spot in the Western Conference. All right, y'all, this will, uh, if I have my say, never happen again in terms of having a plethora of games to kind of look back on. We, we got it. I'm going to go every night. Every night a game's played, we're going to come with immediate um, highs, lows, takeaways. That is what's going to happen here for spending the Spurs. Thank y'all for bearing with me, getting my bearings together. Um, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It was a, a rough opening of the year. You know, that's all I need to say, honestly, right? So definitely make sure to check me out on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out Spanning the Spurs on Twitter at SpanTheSpurs, on Facebook and Instagram at SpanningTheSpurs, Hoopheads Podcast Network. There's a plethora of great podcasts and more that are growing. I think we just had a Wizards one uh, added to the family of podcasts there, so definitely make sure to check that out on iTunes, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check it out, HoopheadsPodNet on Twitter. Aside from that, this has been Corbin Ford, and until next time, y'all, Go Spurs, go. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals. Visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Now just about do it here for another episode of Spanning the Spurs. Thank y'all for joining me. Make sure to like, review, subscribe, wherever you find podcasts. If you like this show, make sure to check out the other great shows on the Hoop Heads podcast network a lot of great content going on over there forward certain where you can find me oh, i'm glad you asked follow me on twitter at corbin nba and until then stay cool and i'll catch on next time on another episode of spang the spires and as always go spires go